Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Let's try it again. Good morning, church. That's better. Amen. Did you like that little video clip? Something normally churches don't use, right? But we're real life. Amen. We're a little different. How many have seen the new Mission Impossible movie? Well, did you like it after this? You got to go see it now, don't you? The reason I'm using this clip is because I don't think we understand the war that we are in. As believers, we are literally in a war of life and death. And so I want to talk a little bit about that during this series. I'm excited about this series. I always get excited about every series, uh, but especially this one. So I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to uh, Acts chapter 1. Keep your finger there. But then we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. Acts chapter 1, put your finger there. And then Luke chapter 24. During this series, we're going to kind of hit highlights of the book of Acts and uh, for about six weeks. And then we're going to look at um, the mission that God's called the church to fulfill. And then we're going to look in the book of Acts and how actually the church fulfilled it. And the Bible says that they turned the world upside down with their mission. And we're going to see exactly what their mission is because that's exactly what our mission is. This series was kind of born out of a couple of months ago. I was, I dropped my son off. He asked me to take him fishing at five o'clock in the morning. And don't worry, I didn't stay. Not a fisherman. Dropped him off. He went fishing. On the way back from dropping him off, I was listening to the book of Ephesians. In the very beginning, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are to Ephesus. But I was listening to the message version that that morning, and it specifically said Paul and Apostle, or Paul, and the word Apostle is not in in the message, it said Paul, a special agent. And I began to think about that term, special agent. And I went home and looked up the word Apostle, and it literally, listen what it meant, it meant a delegate, an ambassador, a commissioner of Jesus Christ, a special agent of Jesus Christ. So really just, as I began to meditate on that and think about that, it just kind of put everything in perspective. Now, I love Mission Impossible movies, and I can't, I just never get tired of them, and I, I love the character Ethan Hunt. And that's all fictitious it's just made up but when you look at scripture that's the mission that you and i are on the bible says we are special agents of jesus christ because even though we're not apostles no apostles today the bible talks about in second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 that we are ambassadors of jesus christ All right, we are in Christ's stead, compelling the world to be reconciled with God. And so we are, listen, we are special agents sent on a mission to this generation. And when you look at it in that perspective, it really changes everything. When you put it in perspective of the movies, again, not true. 
true. God placed me in Springfield, Missouri for a mission. Not impossible, but possible. How is it possible? Because in Acts, or excuse me, Luke chapter 18, verse 27 says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And so this morning we're going to look at the mission that God's called us on. And then next week, our goal is to look at the enemy that's opposing us on this mission. And trust me, he and they are powerful. And then we're going to talk about the power and how we can actually fulfill the mission. And I'm telling you, it's fantastic stuff. You've got to be here. Can I hear an amen? amen? Good stuff. All right, so let's look at these scriptures. Let's begin with uh, Luke 24, verse 49. It says this, And now I send the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll give you the background. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He has already been crucified. He's already been put in the grave. And then he rose from the dead. He spent 40 days teaching his disciples after the resurrection about the kingdom of God that they're involved with. And so now he's, he's just about ready to ascend. And so he's given his disciples his last words on earth. Now, when you think of somebody getting ready to die, now I've been in hospitals and I've been in homes and I've seen a multitude, hundreds of people probably, just take their last breath and then go into the next. I mean, I've seen many, 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 many. So here, here, here Jesus is just about ready. He's getting his last words. Every time I've been into one of those homes, the last words is memorable to the family. And it is very, very important. And so Jesus is getting ready to say, and he says, now the Holy Spirit is going to come. And I will send the Holy Spirit. Well, and John tells us that Jesus, he tells his disciples, I'm going to go, and when I get to the Father, I'm going to pray the Father, and he will send the Comforter, or the Holy Spirit, upon you. Okay? Just as my Father had promised. Now listen to what he says. But stay here in the city. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. So he tells his disciples, he says, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to go out on your mission yet. I'm leaving. I don't want you to go yet. Go in Jerusalem. Stay there until the Holy Spirit comes. And then it says this. Jesus led them to Bithynia, and as he was, had his hands up to heaven, he was blessing them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Can you imagine the sight? Kind of visualize it. The disciples all around, Jesus, he's, he's blessing them, and all of a sudden he begins to elevate. Get the picture. He begins to elevate, and the Bible says he doesn't die, transform, he just goes on to heaven. Now listen to this, listen to the words after this, the, how the disciples responded. So they worshipped him. Duh! They worshipped him, and they turn, return to Jerusalem filled with what? Great joy. I mean, Jesus defied death. He rose from the grave, and now he's ascending. I mean, this is the Messiah. 
This is Jehovah. This is the sovereign God in control of everything in this world, all the affairs of life. He's literally ascending. And so they have great joy. They're probably skipping. And they're singing. Notice what it says. And they spent all their time with their families, watching their children, changing the diapers. No, they spent all their time in the temple praising God. So you can just see the atmosphere here. Now let's go over to the book of Acts, chapter 1. That's the scene. Luke wrote the book of Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so he is describing in chapter 1 of verse 8 the same scene. Now follow this. Because he's getting ready. Jesus, his last words, he's commissioning them. He's giving them their mission. Look at verse 8. Talking about when he's leaving, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And here's the mission you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So he's going to, he's giving them their mission, and he's saying, This is your mission. Should you accept? You will be witnesses here, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's their mission. Simply to be my witnesses. Now, but tarry at Jerusalem. Notice what it says. Stay in Jerusalem. Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Don't leave the city until the Holy Spirit. Now, now let's think about that. They had just spent three and a half years with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. They were taught by Him. Every day He was pouring truth into them. What the Father told the Son to say, He was giving them what to say. He was instructing them in all the Father's teaching. Now follow this. He says, but listen, you Baptists, now listen, uh, 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 you need one more thing before I send you off. Uh, uh, What? Yeah. One more thing before I actually send you off on your mission. It's not that the scripture isn't enough. The scripture is the gospel. We're going to get into that. But this needs one more thing for you and I and the disciples to fulfill their mission. That is the filling, the empowering of the spirit of the living God. Tarry at Jerusalem. Now, now think about that. The disciples got up every morning and they, they got to see the son of God. They got to see him in the early mornings. Do you have a mug that says, don't talk to me till after I have my coffee? Jesus didn't have that kind of mug. He was full of love in the morning just as he was later in the evening. He is the the person of love. So they saw him as he responded in the hardest, the most difficult of times. So they saw the character 
They saw the Son of God as he was, but that wasn't enough. They, they literally, and I don't mean to drag this out, but I really want you to see this. They saw Jesus hold up his hands, a storm that was going to kill the, the sailors. He held up his arm, hands and said, peace be still. And there was, the Bible says, a great calm. The waters were like glass. No waves. They experienced that. And they were amazed. They experienced Jesus saying, Lazarus, come forth. Good thing he said Lazarus, amen. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And they saw him walk out. I mean, they, Peter got to walk on water. They saw Jesus not only raise the dead, but heal the blind. I mean, the lame walk again. I mean, they saw it all. But it wasn't enough to fulfill the mission. They needed one more thing. And, and I, I just want to stress, again, we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about the enemy of our mission. And we're going to talk about our power of the mission next week. And so I really want you to hear so that you can see the, the enemy and identify. You'll be able to identify the enemy working in your lives to keep you from witnessing and fulfilling the mission that God's called you on. You need to be here because he's powerful. He's lurking about, looking who he may destroy. So this is our mission. So you say, let's go back to the book of Acts one more time and let's look at it again. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So our mission, simple, witness, right? You say, what's the big idea? What's the the big deal about missions? What's the big deal about us talking to people? Well, apparently it's a big deal, amen? (laughs) Scares us to death. What's the big idea? Well, what's so important about it? Let's, let's, let's look at three scriptures. All right. First of all, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said this. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Okay? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse uh, 2 and 3 tell us that the gospel, literally explains it to us, is the death, burial, and resurrection. Remember in the book of Acts, he said, you will be my witnesses. We're supposed to be talking about Christ. He is our mission. Telling people is our mission. Well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the message about Jesus, for it is the power of God. Now, how many of you have, have, have witnessed to people that doesn't seem like there's no power there? Well, hearing the message, the individual has to stop and notice it says power. The individual has to stop and think about that message. Because the word power is used there just literally means dynamite. Dudamos is the English spelling just means it's explosive. 
It's so powerful that when somebody stops, now think about this, when somebody stops and really realizes what has happened, a love that they've never experienced, that God the Father sent His Son to die in their stead so they don't have to die, that they can have eternal life. When they begin to think about that and they think, well, nobody around here loves me like that, and they start thinking about the reality of that, it's so powerful it destroys all the foundations on which they built their life upon. Amen. When they start thinking about it. Now remember, they, they've, they've got to listen to it, and they've got to think about it. And then it becomes explosive. And their previous thoughts, for example, they, a lot of people think when, if the way they're going to get into heaven is if their good works outweigh their bad. They're going to make it. Okay? Oh, they're going to make it. I don't know. Well, see, that's a lie from the pit of hell, but everybody believes it. You know, most people believe it. The truth is, when Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, he died for us, and he paid for our sin. Now listen, if Jesus did all that to pay for our sins, why do I have to work for it? If I have to work for it, then why did Jesus Christ die? See, it destroys because for by grace are you saved, that gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm just saying, it's so powerful, it destroys those lies that we believe from the time we're growing up. It's powerful. That's why it's so big. That's why it's a big deal. The second verse of scripture I want you to see is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, if any man be in Christ... And of course, I'm quoting the King James because it's stuck in my brain. Amen. Okay. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Okay. Old, the old life is gone. The new life has begun. There's, it's a big deal because it's life transforming. It's life changing. This message, a simple message of the death, burial, and the resurrection it's so powerful that Jesus did it for you when people, lives slow down and they begin to think about it. Let me just give you an example. How many have ever watched The Exorcist? The very first one. Raise your hand. I was 16 years old. Just got my car. Took my girlfriend out. My 1964 Chevy Impala. Can I hear an amen, baby? Amen. All right. So I took her and I took a couple, uh, Buddy and his girlfriend. We went there and we saw the exit and we laughed. We went for pizza afterwards. I chewed up my pizza. And I can't remember what green stuff I had. I had it in there. I, I kind of puked it out, you know. And the girls were saying, ow, ow. Laughed and laughed. Guess what? The next several months, I was looking under my bed. <laughs> At nighttime, I'd turn the music up. Why? Because when I'm alone and I got to thinking, that's one thing. See, when you hear the gospel for the first time and you get alone and you begin thinking about it, it's powerful and it's life-changing. Let's, let's, let's think about this. We're in Acts chapter 1. They got their mission. Be witnesses. Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up, 3,000 Jews get saved. 3,000. A month and a half ago to two months, 
The Jews were crying, crucify, crucify, crucify. Now over here they're saying, what must we do to be saved? You say, well, maybe there, none of those guys were there. That's fine. Let's fast forward. Chapter 5, 10,000. Chapter uh, 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 15, I think, I don't know how many thousand. By the end of chapter 21, there's so many believers that have been saved. It's, it's, you can't even number them all. They tell us that they think anywhere from 60,000 to 100,000 Jews trusted Christ in, in those first 21 chapters. That's a mega church, Amen. I guarantee you that out of those hundred thousands, hundred thousand, there was many of them there that cried, crucify, crucify, crucify. What made the difference when they cried, crucify, give us Barabbas to overhear, what must I do to be saved? I guarantee what happened was the death, the burial, and the resurrection was so powerful, it changed their lives. Changed their lives. That's what the big deal is. It's not about us. It's about the message. I remember years ago, I was involved in a church plant. Actually, we started the church, Andy and I, uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Actually, Southport, right next to Indianapolis. And um, we were just, I think I was, I was 21. I was the song leader and the youth man. Can you imagine me the song leader? I was excited. Okay, couldn't sing a lick, but I was excited. So um, um, we go door to door every Saturday. So I knocked on this door. We knocked on this door and went inside. And there's this guy there. He seemed to be a little lonely or something was going on. So we got inside, explained the gospel. The guy began bawling, bowed his head, trusted Christ. Okay, got saved. And as, as we s- sat there and talked, he began to s- tell us the story. This was one of the earliest visual aids I've seen of the power of God <clears throat> and the life-changing message of Christ. And he began telling us how that he was a mean drunk. Didn't seem to be mean, but every time he got drunk, he was mean to his wife. He was mean to his kids. And I don't know all the ramifications of it. He, we're just sitting there and he's just telling this stuff. He's just pouring it out to us. And um, uh, all of a sudden he just gets up. He says, come here. I mean, with no prompting of our, us, I mean, we had, he walks in the kitchen and he opens the cabinet and it's full of hard liquor. His wife had left him a couple of weeks. It was full of hard liquor. And I, I, with no prompting, he walks over and he grabs him and he starts pouring down. I'm saying, what's going on here? This is fantastic. And, and that's all. Within, listen, within three weeks, didn't see him after that, here comes these, this man and his wife and his three kids. Three weeks. Might have been a month. But he comes up and she says, to me, she says, you know, I don't know what happened, but this is a new man. Isn't that something? Of course, I didn't ball right then. I balled later, you know. I'm just simply saying, the message, when God works the circumstances out and they have the message, it's life-changing. It's life-changing. It's so powerful that it, it destroys their false foundation and it changes their life. And then thirdly, the third verse of Scripture is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, 18, and 19 there. Jesus says this, and I'm just going to paraphrase it because we need, to, we need to book along. Jesus says this. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stop the church. Now, I visualize 
those verses telling me that the church is on the aggressive. Amen? The church is to go forward and the gates of hell can't stop. So we are the offense and the gates of hell can't stop us. And, and I, I think of the gates of hell and I, I, I remember all the other verses that say, Satan hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious gospel should shine and they believe. And I, and I go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and it says, uh, you who are quickened and dead in your trespasses sin has God made alive. But before that, now listen, Satan not possessing you, he was leading you as an unbeliever. He was guiding you, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So I put all that scripture together, and then all of a sudden I realized that Satan has lost people in this prison camp, so to speak. That's the visualization I got. He's got them blinded. He's got them in prison. And then we come along with a message of the gospel and it's so powerful that it opens their eyes and sets them free. You say, what's the big deal? It sets people free from their bondage. It's so, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, that simple message is not that, that we, it's the power of God to us, but to lost people, it's foolishness. And it is foolish until they get to their place where they're hurting. Things ain't going just the way they should. And they're all alone. And they begin thinking about that verse. Then it becomes life-changing. And they, the truth will set you free. It's talking about Jesus' truth. It's talking about that death, burial, and the resurrection. First, it sets you free from Satan. Then it sets you free to live the abundant life that God's called you to live. Okay, so it is a big deal huge now that's just us on a mission giving that a track track is where it's got the gospel on it just one of those you know i carry around just hand, hand them out or one of our rl we have these on the every seat every week well they're there when people are obedient and put them there amen no RL, you can go around and invite people to church. So that's simple. Just invite somebody to church. They come to church. They hear the gospel. Guess what? God's faithful. Okay, that's all we do. We just give the message. Then what happens is the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what the Bible says. Uh, John chapter 16 and verse 8. This is what it says. It says the spirit, when it comes, it will convince the world of sin. It convinces the world. King James says convict. When you look that up, it means convince. So the Holy Spirit that lives within us, he's going to come and he's going to convince the world, the unbeliever, of their sin. They're not going to make it. Then it goes on, it says it's going to convince the world of Jesus' righteousness. The Holy Spirit's going to do this, okay? Convince the world of who he is exactly who he said he was. They're going to be convinced. Thirdly, it says it convinces them of the judgment to come. Man, that's really all they need. So here we are, we give them the message, the Holy Spirit illuminates their mind and boom i'm a mess 
boom, Jesus is the Savior. Boom. And if I don't do something about it, there's a judgment coming. So the Holy Spirit does the integral work. We're just the messenger. We just deliver the message. We don't have to be like Ethan Hunt, shoot people, fight people. We don't have to do that kind of stuff. We have to give the message. Now, granted, we're going to see the warfare next week is because he's doing everything in his power to keep us from inviting. Keep us from praying. Keep us from walking with the Lord. Okay, so... so Still kind of the introduction, amen? Okay, so you guys have decided to be here for a long time, right? Amen, baby! <laughs> I won't let them influence me, brothers and sisters. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, so we give the message, the Holy Spirit comes along. But there's one more, there's one more thing that the Bible talks about. Go to your Bibles, if you will. Matthew chapter 5. This is amazing. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the light of the world. Now, Jesus is talking to us. Now, normally you think of the light of the world, you think of Jesus being the light, amen? He's the light. But here, Jesus is saying, you and I, everybody that has trusted Jesus Christ, you are are the light. I don't really understand that. What do you you mean I'm the light? If God's looking at me to be the light and there's supposed to be something shining out of me, (laughs) it's not working very well, right? Is that what you're thinking? Then he goes on and says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one puts a lamp no one takes a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, he places the lamp on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Okay, so get the picture. You have the city on a hill and you have a light switch. Boom. Okay, and then there's light. It gives light. In the same way. Look what it says. In the same way. Let your good deeds. Oh, Now I see the light. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Your good deeds. In other words, after you follow this, you've given the message, the Holy Spirit is working now. Don't let your actions detour from what the Holy Spirit and what the Word is already doing. Can I hear an amen? Everybody understand that? How many times have you looked at a Christian, so, so-called Christian, and you say, or, or maybe you did before you got saved, uh, if that's what a believer is, I want nothing to do with it. That's what the world's looking at. They hear this message of that Jesus changes lives, and they're thinking about it, and the Holy Spirit's convict them, and then look over at the Christian world and say, what? They're not acting like Jesus. What's, what's, I don't, I, I don't fit it together. They're, they, the only people that they love is themselves. See, the church is bought into that. We only want to be like the fathers before us. Rather than saying, I don't know about the fathers before us, but I know Jesus has called me to love and to care and to give. Our hearts should be about others. 
but our hearts is usually like this, like the Huskers. They, they played a horrible game yesterday. Did anybody see that Husker game yesterday? Did you cry like I did? No, I'm kidding. I didn't cry. Okay. So this is what we do because we're trying to protect ourselves. Well, Jesus, Jesus has called us to die to ourselves, not to protect ourselves and not to be this self-reliant and this, this, this wonderful person. The Bible calls us not to do this, but to die, to open your, let people walk on you. Did they not do that to the Lord? See, when they see the fact that we're like the son of God and we're shining with these good deeds, and, and I'm not talking about deeds, Serving in the church. I'm talking about loving, caring for your neighbors, doing that, then that's the light. And so what happens is you give the message, the Holy Spirit works, and they see your light, your good deeds. Now, notice what Scripture says Shine out for all them to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So, the words, the Holy Spirit, your love for them, and you really care and you're praying for them, the Holy Spirit draws them and to see that light, and then all of a sudden, they're directed towards the Father. Not towards you, not towards me, and they're praising God. In other words, you literally help them to have a relationship with God. They get saved and they're praising God. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, there's another story. David talks about this over in Psalms chapter 40. Really is one of my favorite Psalms of all times. Psalms chapter 40. Look at verses, beginning in verse 1. He says the same thing as Jesus said in Matthew 4. But, but Paul is, or David has experienced it. Now listen very carefully. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. In other words, he's crying out to the Lord. He's saying, Lord, I need your help. Now, now we're not sure what he's talking about, whether it be the time when Saul was chasing him down and he was running for 10 years of his life trying to just survive in caves and in fields. And we don't know if that's here. Or when his son was trying to kill him, Absalom was take, take, took the kingdom away and was trying to kill him. We're not sure where, but listen. It said, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. I love that effect that he turned to David. He lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. In other words, he picked David up out of the quicksand, shook off his feet, set him on solid ground, set him on a solid foundation, and established his going pointed him in the right direction, okay? So he prayed, God heard, God moved. See that? God did something. Verse three, he put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise to our God. So all of a sudden, David is praising God and worshiping God for who he is and the fact that he really was there for him in the time of need. He's just worshiping God, okay? then notice what happens. Many will see what he has done and be what? Amazed. 
And then it says, and put their trust. They will put their trust in the Lord. Everybody see that? It's fantastic. In other words, when you begin to let people know that I'm a mess, I'm in this pit, but God's going to hear me. And they see the power of God doing something in your life. And you have this great relationship. with You're not perfect. You're a mess as a matter of fact. But you have this great relationship and you ask forgiveness and you just say, I'm just humble. And they see the realness. They see this. Your life is not about you. It's about them. It's about him. Yeah, you don't want to be miserable, so you're crying to God, help me not to be miserable. But when he works, you're giving glory to God. Not to that, man, I'm somebody. Look what I did. I picked myself up by my brute staff, man. I just turned everything around. I'm just this one. No, he was getting, and so what happens when they see all of the light that you have and you're just genuinely loving them, you genuinely care, you genuinely are honest with God and with other people, then they will put their trust in him. It's fantastic. So let's go over it again. They got to hear the message. They're not turning into the Christian radio station. Can I hear an amen? I don't know of a war, I don't know of a lost person ever has turned on the Christian radio and said, "Man, I want to listen to Fleener." Never. And yet we keep doing it. We keep doing it. We should be advertising on the good stations. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> we should be advertising. The Christian race is great, but it's for ministering to us. It's not to reach the unchurched. Get on the other stations and advertise there because that reaches them where they're at. Because they listen to music all day long. You ever seen in the, their headphones all the day? What do you think they're doing? Listen to my sermons? I don't think so. They're not even listening to Andy Stanley. They don't even know who Andy Stanley is. Charles Swindoll, they don't know who he is. They're listening. They're still listening to the Beatles. Amen? They're still listening to Elton John. How do they know that? Now, I talk to people in church, and I, I, I'll, I'll name off Led Zeppelin or something. They say, oh, yeah, I like him. I say, what? Steppenwolf, what? How do you even know these guys? Oh, why? Well, I listen to that music. Blows me away. I listened to that when I was a kid. My point is, that's where we should put the gospel on. That's where we should do that. But, but the point is, we just got to get the message to them. Whether here, small group, at your home, when they come over for dinner, just, you, you, you have to invest in unchurched people. That's what this battle and this mission is all about. Take the message of Christ. Ugh. Take the message of Christ, okay, specifically to Springfield, to Missouri, to the United States, than the uttermost parts of the earth. It is our mission. Forget our. If you're saved here today, it's your mission. When you stand before the Lord, He's going to remind you of what your mission was all about. And it was to talk about him and talk about let, let's let me give you an example of this all right and i know i'm running out of time but a, a great example of this is in acts chapter 8 and chapter 9 we're not going to get into that I'm just going to tell you the story so paul the apostle was saul 
And he was killing Christians and throwing them in jail and doing all kinds of stuff to stop the church from fulfilling its mission. And you know the story. Most of you. So, so, so he's, Paul had been used by Satan to stop. And so Stephen is preaching a message. And Stephen is preaching a message that cuts them to the heart because Jesus is the son of the living God and you crucified him. And they were just cut to the heart. So they pick up stones and they begin stoning Stephen. I'm just giving an example of the light. Just an example of the light. As Stephen is bleeding, you saw the blood dripping off of that thing. We said, oh, we shouldn't show that in church. They were stoning Stephen. Do you think that there was any blood there? Oh, yeah. You think there's some gashes? Do you think he stood up and looked the same after all those people were thrown? So, no, he was, he was mutilated. But he, he had enough to just look up to heaven. And in his dying breath, he did not say, Lord, please spare my life. Think about the light. He didn't say, Lord, kill these people who are trying to kill me. I mean, just put them to death. Bring lightning down and strike them and just make them ashes. Boom. He didn't say that. He talked about light. He said, Father, the ones that are throwing the stones, Lord, don't add this sin to their account. Don't hold them responsible. Man, he talk about, you, you know the story, you talk about light. And Paul is listening to this. He's listening to this. And he's the one giving approval. Kill him, kill him, do him in. The next chapter over, Jesus shows up, knocks Paul off of his camel. He's laying on the ground. The Lord says this, Paul it's hard to kick against the pricks, isn't it, in your mind? And I don't, I don't have time going to the whole story, but what, what he's talking about is the Holy Spirit was constantly pricking Paul of what Stephen said. The message and the truth that Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. In other words, the death the burial, and the resurrection. He, he, he couldn't escape that message and he couldn't escape that powerful light. He couldn't escape it. So Paul writes there. He gets saved. His life is transformed. He is set free and becomes the most powerful church planner the world has ever known. Just by the message and the light. That was all. You'll never know. Listen, you'll never know the impact you'll have just being that conduit and saying, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He took your place in death so you wouldn't have to die and go to hell. And, and, and he wants to give you eternal life. Just the message. And then, and then don't stand in the way of what the Holy Spirit's speaking to their heart about. He wants to draw them. So it all comes down to 
this is your mission. Will you accept it? That's just a movie. This is reality. This is reality. Are you willing to embrace what God's called you to do? Very simple. Very powerful. And just be that conduit. And then let your light shine. Let's pray. Father, we just love you so much. We're so thankful for the word of God. Thank you that you you could have called the angels to carry the gospel to the world, but instead you chose us, the ones who have experienced this power, the ones that have experienced the life-transforming change, the ones that have been set free. You chose us to take this message out to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to those at school. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you'd bind the enemy of this mission and that you'd give us the strength to right where we're at to embrace and accept this mission of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And Father, if there's somebody here that has never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, Father, I pray that today that they would receive Jesus as their Savior. Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand just for a moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're not going to have necessarily an invitation, but we're going to have a time of, I mean, you can come forward if you want to, and you can pray with, with the, the Lord, just you and Him. Because sometimes coming forward and, and, and making that, that commitment public Sometimes it helps us to be more faithful. But let's have every head bowed. Just a a time of silence between you and the Lord. Remember that time of silence we talked about earlier? Let this be the time for you and God to talk and surrender to that mission. Should you accept, what will you do with the message today? Will you accept? Just you and God. Father, as folks are praying, I come to you on behalf of our people, Real Life Church. Father, I've been in many churches, pastored several, but there's only been a handful, just a few, that have actually accepted this mission. But Father, I pray this morning that real life would be different. There wouldn't be just a handful in this church that would accept this mission. But Father, we overall, that many here today would understand this is a big deal and that they are needed just as a voice. Salvation doesn't depend on them, but it depends on the message. They've got to hear. 
And how can they hear unless we accept the calling and go? So I pray this morning for real life. There'd be a whole host of us that would surrender and take this home and begin to implement it. And maybe one or two people this year of really bringing to church or helping them come to know you. Really help us to focus on those around us. And Father, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? All right, Jason. There he is.